Oh, what's the intro? Hey, everybody. Uh, you're listening to the uh, Blind Spot. Glad to do it. I don't know where Isabella's gone, but uh, today we're going to be talking a little bit about uh, everything from uh, this new leak that's coming on uh, line, which what are they calling it? The Discord leak? Some gamer apparently leaked a bunch of yeah, and uh, documents. Him. What's that? They've just named him. They Oh, we know who he is. Uh, yes, we know who he is. He's going to regret that, nope. don't you think? Well, I, I think the whole thing has been quite fascinating um, because it was this, for those who have been following, um, this leak happened a few few weeks ago now, possibly even earlier. Um, but these plans were put out and they're kind of like physical plans of the spring offensive or what NATO was right. planning in Ukraine. And um, and they looked kind of authentic, but slightly falsified at first, they said. Then it turns out it wasn't falsified. And all the mainstream news um, went really large on the story and sort of like, these are the real legitimate plans. They've been leaked. And that, to me, already seemed a bit weird because it's very rare for the mainstream to just like go really big on on like, uh, you know, leak leaked stuff right so well, Isabel, i mean what's, I, what's I in don't... these leaked documents because it seems it seems to me that it was just kind of like a random dumping that this guy did of like documents that were you know on a server just kind of grab well, what whatever we're learning, what we're learning is that um they were i'm not i'm in no shape or form a military expert but they had like detailed uh plans of how they were going to do this ukrainian offensive and they had casualty figures in there much much lower than had been going around for the russians i think um like 10 percent or something like that yeah it was incredibly low relative to what the reality is obviously it's, the truth is the first casualty in war yeah, yeah, and yeah but, don't but, have but a crew. It, that's incredulous like a, a lot of the casualties have been being counted by osint guys who are literally mm -hmm. going through like videos and battlefields and counting one two three four so like really? I, I don't think that it yeah, I don't think it makes any sense to to believe that the counts are ten percent of what they're estimated at at all. Well the estimates when you have like, come from the counts, right? Whereas this this is from the leaked sort of uh this is this well, is the I think I think there's two counts. There's the government's count, but then there's the OSINT like verification counts. And yeah. the OSINT counts have been like very close to the government counts, as well as like estimations of destroyed tanks estimations of destroyed uh vehicles etc but that's why this is so weird because these these alleged plans which are supposedly from you know the source of the pentagon or whatever um they they assert that the numbers are way off and so that's what's really interesting like why would their internal plans have the wrong numbers and why is like the new york times not like trying to debunk it that's what that's what i thought was really interesting and and it reminds me i mean there's just a lot of strange stuff and now um bellingcat and new york times everyone has kind of clubbed together to try and find this leaker because it turns out the documents first originated in some discord uh group um in a gaming environment as far as i understand and to kind of this young gamer who owned the discord channel was um using these documents to try and add authenticity to to his operative operations okay. in the game as far as i understand i don't know right? that i buy i don't know that i buy that i don't buy that i mean it sounds incredibly 
crazy. I, I don't know if you remember. Yeah, yeah. I don't know if you remember. Um, do you remember when uh, Hillary Clinton, um, or like the whole was it the whole Benghazi thing started with like they claimed it was a video. Yeah. You remember this? I do, I'm really weak on the Benghazi so story. There was, there was this heard. YouTube video yeah. that had like 37 views on it. And the Clinton uh-huh. or the Hillary, Hillary Clinton and all of the intelligence around this started saying like after Benghazi that the riots had started because of a video. And it was right. a weird video that like talked like I think it showed Muhammad or something like that. But it was uh-huh. a video that no one had seen. Its production value was really low. It was crazy. And they went on every American news show and said that this video is the reason that this had happened. And then you watch a video and like, you know, four or five days later, you'd look at it and be like, this is like 33,000 views. And it's been mentioned on like Oprah. What's going on here? So, yeah, so there's something video, very odd. Yeah. The video is clearly not the reason that this all happened. It was clearly a cover story. Susan Rice, Hillary Clinton, everyone else started repeating the story, but it was just complete and utter bullshit. So I don't, I don't know that I buy this notion that someone dropped a bunch of documents into a discord for the purpose of adding it authenticity. Seems very that doesn't add authenticity. Now, and now this guy uh, has been identified and arrested. I just saw like literally in the last hour. So us has arrested um, the key suspect and he's some young 21 year old um, called uh, what's his name? Jack. Oh gosh. I don't know how you pronounce the name. Texera, Texera to zero. T-E-I-X-E-I-R-A. But he's like some young dude who worked on a military base. Home, I mean, they've got helicopters, everybody like coming to, to uh, you know, bring him down. Um, so he's responsible for the leak of U.S. classified defense documents which laid bare military secrets and upset Washington's relations with key allies. Um, he was arrested at home. Helicopter news footage showed a young man with Sean, dark hair, um, blah, blah, blah. They don't say Garland's use. Blah, blah, blah. Um, it, it, also, say... it also doesn't make sense to me, unless he's like got a death wish. Why would why would he do? Like, I, I don't understand. Did, did he think he was not going to be found? Well, he's a really low level um, person. So why would he have had access Is is my question. Like, something just doesn't he's a national guardsman okay so that's the national guardsman suspected to be behind um a series of u.s military document leaks um like it's, it's more likely was, i don't know like wing, by his computer of the massachusetts air national guard um so that's that's the strange thing so he's like this very low level um i guess what would you call him god and he's got access to like top top you know spring offensive ukraine documents and suddenly it's all over everyone's like desperate to like i feel he, he what if what if he's actually just been kind of set up i mean maybe he was well, that, maybe there that, was some like, other that seems the more likely was... thing to have happened unless like we are just yeah. that bad at securing documents in the u.s military i, I don't know but i've always I mean, been told by are, everyone in the military concerning. that it's yeah, if we are, that like that's crazy. Either way, it's very concerning because it's either that it's legitimate, everything is as reported, um, in which case that's mad. Um, if it's not true, the only alternative is that this is strategic disinformation, right? For some reason, 
the they want to create the perception of of like giving out the wrong plans or incompetence there's some sort of smoke and mirrors going on and he's just like some patsy who can be set up or maybe or his computer was open when the per like some higher level person wanted to leak documents and he just dropped them into a discord and hope they made their way out like i don't fucking know it doesn't make any sense it doesn't make sense at all you've heard of um operation mincemeat right Mm -mm. so operation mincemeat is what comes to mind i mean let me i don't want to let's do a bit joe rogan let me just make sure i don't mess it up by misremembering so i'm just going to bring up the wikipedia so it was a successful british deception operation in the second world war to disguise the 1943 allied invasion of sicily two members of british intelligence obtained the body of god some guy called glenwood glinder glinder michael a tramp who died from eating rat poison dressed him as an officer of the royal marines and placed personal items on him identifying him as the fictitious Captain William Martin. Correspondence between two British generals that suggested that the Allies planned to invade Greece and Sardinia with Sicily as merely the target of a feint, uh, which was were placed on his body. And then basically he washes up on some coast and the Nazis kind of like pick him up and they're like, they can't believe their luck that they found this dead body that just happens to have the plans for the offensive you know, like what the Allies were planning, <laughs> and lo and behold, you know that the, the Ally, um, the uh, the Nazis, as a result, like get completely um, deflected, and the real offensive <laughs> happens. Right? It's, it's, it's incredibly analogous to me, except in that case they used a dead body, whereas here they've used some sort of, you know, God knows who this twenty-one year old is. But um, and there's a film about it with Colin Firth. So there that you go. poor guy. The tramp, uh, he gets picked up and he he does he performs a heroic action as a dead dude, and uh, he gets no credit. Nothing on his gravestone says he was a soldier. No, he was very valuable exactly. as a dead man, though. Like <laughs> that's very funny. So should, what, what you? I mean, we. Could, I mean, so basically, the conspiracy theory would be that this is Operation Mincemeat <clears throat> two point but in a more. Um, multimedia dimension and of course like it is it is fascinating to me that everybody has kind of joined forces um you know new york times bellingcat to try and identify and and they found him so quickly once they realized it's like this chinese spy balloon that also was incredibly weird right um so why i'm just i'm not sold why (laughs) i mean it's it's weird information to come out like it sounds like he just sort of picked. See, this is the thing. In it, if you're just going to like the top secret information folder and grabbing random documents, you're going to get random bullshit. Like yeah, I, I don't understand how did, yeah, how did he get? Like how did he end up with like very specific relevant information that everybody wants in just this like sort of uh, happenstance random document dumpers like i'm just trying to make things authentic you're like oh okay so like you look through the documents you found the most important ones and then you dropped those in like that doesn't make any sense i mean i just think it's interesting that everyone i've there are like two definite sort of uh responses to what's going on like half you know there's a certain contingent of uh 
my contacts and friends who will just believe the official line no matter what. But I definitely sense that there are more and more people just going, hang on a minute, something isn't right here. And it just speaks of the distrust, I think, that is going on, institutional distrust. Um, and this kind of goes back to Nord Stream and like what really happened. And and I think recently someone at the White House was saying you, we shouldn't even like be asking these questions. It's very... It's very bad for democracy, I would say, that these questions have become tab taboo, that we know obviously that something isn't, we're not being told the whole truth for operational reasons. And whilst I can get on board the idea of um, deception in the name of um, national security, and if we're in a war, I do think it's, I don't think it's unreasonable. Um, I would at least want to be told that we are in an active war. And I don't think they've done that. Say, I've been told we're not in a war. So exactly that it's, it's well, a little weird. Um, but, but I also don't like, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if these Hello, actually aren't eight people watching us. It's really nice of you Hello. to join us. And if you feel like comment, if there's comments, any sound problems or anything too, that's how we find out. Um, yeah, exactly. It wouldn't, it, it wouldn't surprise me as a like, if these, if these weren't even top secret U S documents. Um, I mean, who knows what's going on? Where they might be fake. Do I don't know. It's that's what I mean. Like, like maybe, maybe they're just Russian doc, like some some Russian dossier type stuff. Like they're just like, let's just say that the you know deaths in Ukraine are ten percent. Like I just I don't so, understand how it is that he got the right documents. It seems very specific. There is definitely. Hey, sound is good. You're not in one yeah, ear okay. anymore. Um. So oh, the next, the next, um, this brings us, I think, to uh, the other big story this week in terms of media, which is Substack versus Twitter wars. Oh yeah, the Substack launched a Twitter competitor called Substack Notes. Yes, yeah. um, and it's called Substack Notes. And I have a lot of thoughts about this because um, when I was going independent, I was kind of trying to figure out should I go on Substack should I do WordPress what should I do and having thought about it for a long time I um I concluded that Substack was I really admired what they were trying to do and I do think they're doing a great service in so much as it is important that there is somewhere where independent journalism can thrive I I'm a bit more moderate in my views in the sense that I don't think the solution is just like total wild west I do think there needs to be some self-regulation on a lot of this stuff and Substack isn't too keen to sort that stuff out. And secondly, what do you I was mean very by concerned that self-regulation. I just think that Substack, because it's open to everybody, it it kind of I think it's a bit pie in the sky, basically. I don't think it's a sustainable business model because the idea that all of like good journalism that's not the mainstream is funded through subscriptions is I just don't think that's going to work because eventually you just get too fragmented. There are too many subscriptions and you have to have scaling in, in the media and actually scaling helps. It's like with Uber, like all these <laughs> journalists analogous to the, um, to the drivers who thought, Oh yeah, fuck that. I'm not going to work for some like annoying corporate. I'm going to go and do it for myself only to realize that, Yes, you gain a lot of flexibility, but you end up probably working longer hours, you have no breaks, you have no scaling, like every single supplier you have to deal with individually. 
and you suddenly realize well actually there's a there's a reason why corporations like manifest because there's there's power and scaling and economies um isn't that, isn't that what's happening on substack like i see barry weiss she's got like a whole staff she's got everything else like it seems well it seems like it's moving I, towards just an old model so you 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 know subscribe well, to barry weiss's publication it's that's yeah. why I never set up as Isabella Kaminska, which is why I, I started from the very beginning, like with the perception of this is going to have to scale up to work. So I immediately yeah. came to market with the blind spot with a view to hiring free freelancers, a commercial. You know, So the idea was to do a profession because it's just not feasible. Whereas a lot of these guys like Matt Taibbi, who's great, I'm a big fan of his. Um, they uh -oh. they kind You're of like started off by themselves. And I think they they may be journalists are great in many ways, but they're not very savvy business people. And I think a lot of people left mainstream to go to Substack thinking they'd be able to break it in. And that hasn't it does, manifested. It, it is interesting because like Barry, Barry Weiss is now stuck in the ecosystem of Substack. So she can't really like easily leave. Right. Substack now well, is the back end of. They yeah. say that it's easy to like migrate off and you own your own data and, you know, but, but you don't the own the credit is, card numbers. Well, no, but you can, in, in in theory, you can migrate everything. But the problem is, like, if you want to go to WordPress and set it all up yourself, which is what I did, you're going to have to rent server space. It's, it's not easy. So Substack does provide, provide a kind of, like, outsourced efficiency in terms of managing all that stuff. And the idea is, is that they do it so you don't have to worry about it. But it's also heavily templated. And even though they've allowed for white labeling a little bit now, the um the reality is that it's everyone can tell when it's a Substack blog. There's a certain obvious sort of formatting to it, which means there isn't yeah. that opportunity for for kind of differentiating yourself in terms of design or how you tell a story or how you format things. Um, and also the bigger problem is I just think they've got their economics wrong. wrong. So they originally raised like twenty million dollars. They've burnt through all that capital. They're, um, they've had to turn to their readers. So they wanted to raise more money. And, and because of interest rates and the fact that VC has frozen up, they weren't able to do it. So they last week, I think last week or the week before, they turned to um, to their readers, asking them in a to, to engage in a crowdfund where they want to raise over $5 million. And that's when they Are had they giving to equity? finally... Yeah. They're giving and equity. I just think this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, but this is where it's fascinating to me because, like, my whole principle is we need a journalist owned platform which isn't owned by a billionaire or some sort of corporate or whoever, but it's a partnership model. But you have to start it from scratch that way. If you're just buying into Substack with all the like legacy VCs in there, that's a terrible model because you're kind of just like a teeny slice with no equity power vis-a-vis -vis the big players. Um, and also, like, if you're essentially being funded by by your own writers through, like, ongoing uh, equity raises, you've got to question the economics. <laughs> like, why not just charge fees? Why not just – I mean, they do charge fees, obviously, because mm. they take 10%. But they take well, 10%. Looking here. 10 the, the writers have they had over – 300 million dollars paid through Substack. So that's not a lot. I mean, the no. The reality is is that um just a few big superstars earn the big bucks and everyone and then on top of that there's all these free riders who don't 
monetize their blogs at all and they give it away for free. And then there's like the completely, you know, not effective writers who earn a little bit, but not enough to cover the costs of the operation. So in terms of like the cost structure, I don't see how it can work in the long run because it's not going to fund itself through subscriptions and they don't want to take advertising. And now they've launched this new note system, which is like a Twitter challenger. And they're very proudly saying, oh, unlike Twitter, it's going to be subscriber funded. But what does that really mean? So it means to talk and engage on Substack, on Substack notes, you have to be a subscriber. Well, that's not going to be very good for engagement. And actually, you don't why, have why don't to have to do advertising. Well, this is the this is my like. There's nothing wrong with advertising, providing it's properly done. And I think that's where the and of course Elon has now got into this big fight because he started banning the Substack links on Twitter because he heard that the they were launching this clone of Twitter. And Taibi got very upset about it because obviously he's on Substack, he was doing the Twitter files and um, he he defected and 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 he wrote a really, I think fair analysis of what's going on. He's obviously got a lot of he's made a lot of money from his Substack. He's made even more money from being um, profiled in the Twitter files, to be honest. That must have sent his subscriptions through the roof as well. Um, So he's kind of torn between two paymasters in some way, even though Elon's not directly paying him. He's been highly responsible for the popularity he's had since joining Twitter files. And so his piece was very... um, I think balanced and that he thought Elon had made a stupid decision, but he still likes the guy. He still appreciates what he's done. And yeah, he's not perfect. Um, he can't, he can't bring himself to hate him or anything like that. He respects it, respects a lot of um, the things he's trying to do, especially with respect to uh, censorship, but he can't bring himself to operate on a platform that is essentially going to s- censor a competitor and and he's just sort of saying well Elon Elon just can't handle having a comp- having competition and I was like well yeah I guess but that's kind of fair in a way as well because he is a businessman does that interfere with his censorship commitment yeah probably but all's I, fair I in love and I, war I think it's very I think it's, I think Elon has not figured out what Twitter is yet um and it's going to take nah. him a while because Twitter is like the place where all links to any place are shared. And uh, the best way to make it useless is to like ban, you know, the ability to link out. Yeah, that was stupid. I I don't think, you know, he's also now trying to launch his own long form subscription based business as well. So he's trying to like steal the Substack model. (laughs) So Every eventually, as I've been saying for a very long time, all these platforms are just going to become lookalikes of each other in terms of functionality. Everything will be the same. And the only differentiation will be the communities. But that's why the communities need values and they need self-regulation and governance, because without it, we don't really know what people are standing for. Um, And all of those guys, I mean, I think Elon's nearer the standard um, development than the Substack people because the Substack people just don't care. They 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 want professional writers and they want amateurs. They want pe- they they'll take anybody. The platform doesn't differentiate, and that to me is a problem because if you're a consumer of news, you want to know your professional 
um, journalists or people who take their job seriously from, say, the PRs or the people who have another agenda. And, you know, I do think it's really important. And I do think clubbing together around values is very, very um, essential. And they're not interested in sorting that out because if they do, they, they kind of undermine everything they've been saying about an open system. Whereas yeah. I think Elon is more likely to, because he's doing these affiliation badges and he's trying to sort out the blue tick problem to some degree. I think that is <coughs> where we will end up. <coughs> where we will end up on Twitter is everyone affiliating with the standards that they, you know, so they'll you'll either be affiliated with your corporate or if you don't want to affiliate with your corporate, you'll affiliate with some sort of like, you know, people already voluntarily do it by putting up their stupid emojis, right? So um, it's just like self-regulation. It's just that some of the new affiliate badges, it won't be voluntary. You'll have to be able, like the network will have to approve you in, in the old guild style. And I think that's a good thing. Um, so I'm kind of more on team Elon than team Substack, but I don't, I'm not anti-Substack. I just think that their finances are... I Disaster. I just think that Elon's, Elon's <laughs> got to be confident in the network growth of Twitter. Like Twitter grew <laughs> I mean, organically. Twitter like is huge, and you just got to be confident that either you're going to be able to keep that or not. And that's that's all you can really Elon do. Should just, he should just buy Substack because it's basically like not going to make any I, money. I don't think he has the money. It would be like one dollar. One dollar, Mortimer. One dollar. Yeah, its valuation is like five hundred million, five hundred eighty million. That's, that's just wrong. You just 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 offer them a billion bucks. That's, you don't you don't need, I mean it is not never gonna make money. It's just it lost twenty over twenty million. It's burning cash like like a something that burns cash <laughs> like a stove. Um yeah. I don't see how they can make money without advertising or without some other monetization plan. The advertising thing is weird to me because like you, you nowadays with advertising you don't even have to be beholden to anybody because it's programmatic, especially for content. That is true. Yeah, there's but no reason to not, you know, do what advertising. What can do, which they can't do, is that he has all these other businesses. And you, and this week, um, he's already, um, he bought Twitter with this temporary X corporation structure, right? And yeah. he has now, not only Merged has he been them. joking about renaming it Titter instead of Twitter, he, um, he that that has now officially absorbed. Twitter, so Twitter Inc. doesn't exist anymore. It's actually owned by X Corporation. Did or you whatever? Did you see the BBC uh, interview with him? I did. One of the one of but, the funniest but, interviews I've ever seen. Oh, we need to talk about it. But yes. just to finish that X Corp point is that what Twi what Elon can do, which Substack cannot, is that he can combine all his companies under the X umbrella. And he can create a massive conglomerate, which means that SpaceX will end up subsidizing Twitter, right? And that would be so quite it'll be, genius. It'll be Google. It will be a conglomerate that is yeah, like it'll be, Amazon. It'll be like Amazon is not cost like Amazon does not make money on its retail. It makes it on AWS. So he would just create a massive conglomerate and he would add payments to it. And once he adds payments to it, which I think is probably what his plan is um it becomes quite quite unstoppable well and maybe it would be it's his, so his goal is to build an alphabet i think so 
and call it X. Yeah, he's obsessed with but with payments and space, like the space component. Think about it, Josh. The space component is completely like so. One of the issues Twitter has is that it has to toe the line in places like Europe, and the Europeans have said like if you want to if you want to provide services in Europe. You have to agree to us, like all these like censorship. What's it <laughs> um, like, criteria? Isabella, living in a place without free speech? I can't even imagine. I'm so sorry <laughs> for you. Like I, I want to give you a hug. But here's the thing. So apparently, he's already been kind of like loose with that. He promised the like. I, I think he did a video with one of the e EU commissioners, like promising that he would like <clears throat> comply. But he's already like there's already some compliance issues. But here's my here's my theory is that he doesn't have to comply because what he can do is he can become the definitive samizdat for Europe and for anywhere with censorship because he can be like, fuck your telcos. I don't need to be distributed. Like, think about it. How do you get messages, foreign messages into China? You do it. For, people either use VPNs. Or, you know, they have to uplink to a, you know, to a satellite. He owns all the satellites, right? He's doing internet Wi-Fi, like for everybody, the entire world. China has to send stupid balloons over to the US, right? But we've got like Starlink. Starlink is everywhere now. The Ukrainians are using it to fight Russia. So if European Union decides to ban Twitter because he's not compliant, well, everyone just goes to their Starlink you know, uploads and they get everything they need. Like they can't shut him down. So he becomes like the ultimate, it's like the analogy is like the USSR, Iron Curtain, how did you get like the news into, in you know, there was a propaganda system there. How did you get, how did the news penetrate? Well, they used Radio, radio Free, Free Europe. America, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, which, so and, what and if, that's, you know, and Russia's figured this out with the internet with, um, God, what's the uh, what's it called? <coughs> the the Russian like news channels and stuff like that. RT um, and RT, ones. yeah, RT Russia Today, and you know it's the same. It's the same information war. It's it's really interesting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's exactly I, I don't... the same. <laughs> so my point is that I think it's a kind of bait and switch because he's creating this conglomerate that effectively can infiltrate almost anywhere on the planet. Um, because he doesn't need to have Huawei infrastructure. He's got satellites in space. <laughs> did, you, did you say Huawei? That's how I call it. How do you pronounce it? <laughs> Huawei? Huawei. I like, Huawei. Huawei. <laughs> Huawei. How do you pronounce Huawei. it? Huawei. Huawei. <laughs> no, but it's it's like, and it all links to kind of what sovereignty and. <laughs> Someone's like, ha, ha. Um, but the it all links to the paranoia we've also seen with CBDCs. Mm -hmm. Um, and the fact that there is this question over if you roll out CBDCs, who is entitled to use them? Because no one really talks about that. And the reality is, you know, is it going to be available only to citizens, residents, tourists? If it's tourists, like I don't think the Europeans or the Americans will have any issues if people in China use an American CBDC because they're quite happy for that to happen. <laughs> but the concern is that there are people in Europe 
who end up using yuan, EU1 uh, CBDCs, um, because that undermines the sovereignty of sterling, the euro, the dollar. You know, now, you know Isabella, there, there's actually a lot of you know people doing that already. Like, well, like China is sort of keeping an eye on their citizens by getting their citizens to use Hu, the he Yuan uh, outside of uh, China. Exactly. And this is key. This is key to the whole thing because you have um, sort of supermarkets, Chinese supermarkets in Soho, I've heard. I haven't checked this out. I went to one supermarket to check it out here in West London, but that I, unless it's under the counter and I... And I obviously didn't qualify for for that offer. Maybe it's just like like a little gizmo they whip out if they if you say a code word. I don't know, but I had heard that you can pay for Chinese goods in the um, supermarket straight with yuan and do it through WeChat. And if that's the case, that's just shocking because it completely undermines HMRC. It completely allows the Chinese to sell goods under the table, um, circum completely circumventing any tax. And it's a kind of stealth infiltration colonization. And it makes perfect sense in an inflationary environment because the Chinese goods can kind of like come in. And if you are facing inflation on your sterling or your dollar, right? Well, the incentive to use a more stable form of currency, which is keeping its value with the goods that they themselves are importing into your country, it is massive. And suddenly you get, again, this direct analogy of what happened in, in the Cold War, where in Poland or in USSR or Hungary, whatever, you had these rat lines of suppliers bringing in Western goods because domestically there wasn't enough goods, there was massive inflation. And how did you pay for those Western goods? You paid for them with dollars, but they were bearer dollars right and this is what's going on with cbdc's and the dollar kind of infiltrated the communist system and before you knew it there was a black market which had fairer price discovery than the real like official market right everyone knew that the black markets were the real price setting mechanism not the kind of fake prices being put out by the government i like the idea of uh the e you and yuan being uh like this thing that, that you can't use you go in there and you're like can i use my yuan and they're like nebusha jungleren and they don't let you yeah you, you don't qualify but it, it's exactly what happened in in communism and and then eventually yeah, this what is global. happened this is what's, what's weird here is the reach like the, the idea that China could infiltrate the United States in a way by like having Chinese people on like a different currency system as they're operating within the and United their States. supply chain. Don't forget their Mind supply blown. chain. Yes. Really weird. That's, it it, that's it has this really muddling effect on currency. I don't know what that does. Well, what that does like, is it creates the return of FX exchange controls, but this will be like digital FX exchange yeah, but, control. But can you imagine, Isabella, like if every Zimbabwean every Nigerian, every Chinese person, like anything with an eth a strong ethnic community, the Koreans, like if they were all operating in their like homeland currency and like if you go into little Koreatown, you literally can't buy anything in dollars because you got to have uh, the 
Korean yeah, but dollars. No, nah, no, nah, that wouldn't happen. I'll tell you, it has to be supported by supply chains, right? So the Koreans, unless they have like, so you 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 could only well, really Samsung do it. TVs, you know. Yeah, for 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 the supply that's coming from your domestic, you know, source, but. That's why China is the most nefarious challenger here because it is literally the producer of everything. So you you don't have a niche. You have like literally the possibility of everything being priced in yuan because it can set a fairer um, price than the local currency. And if you have then a kind of paranoia because of Cold War tensions or whatever, then you will see kind of the old iron curtain structure go up and there being checks at the border and supply chain will become very like essentially what happened was you had to smuggle stuff in eventually so but they could, they could also weirdly enforce this right like you can't come home if you don't keep using the yen uh the yen like the the wand they're all the same well yen, they wouldn't the know I don't no they would because you're using it in an app yeah, no, it's but tied you can't, like, force your, like, you can only force, so there is an archaic, apparently there's an archaic uh, post-Bretton Woods IMF rule, which says that in the spirit of, like, international effects controls, which is what we were in around that time, um, you have the right and the, the law kind of forces everyone who's assigned party to respect each other's um restrictions on on exchange but you can only apply them in your own currency so you can ban your own people from sw swapping say sterling for e1 but you can't ban people with e1 from trading the other way like it's really weird but you can only control your own people is the point but you kind of agree to comply i've got the ruling somewhere let me tell you why would China care? <coughs> hmm? Why would China care? Um, it's not about whether no China doesn't care. China wants would want to penetrate, but it doesn't, you that's, know, that's it has like, all China has to say is like if, if you want to come home, you need to keep using the the one. The point is that the roles get reversed. So until mm -hmm. now, it's been China that has been restricting its citizens from using the dollar and and has never freely floated the the yuan right so there is a there are capital restrictions and the there is only so much yuan you can take in and out of the country and it allows domestic uh merchants and support you know producers whatever to to settle their trade in in dollars but it controls and and manipulates the exchange rate between yuan and the dollar right so everything is right. controlled right and and we have always said oh china manipulates the currency now the re the role is being reversed in that as china is on the scent and the yuan becomes a challenger it's us that will become more protectionist and we will tell our citizens well actually you can't you know please don't trade with with the you know don't export <laughs> um you can you can only do so much like that's what we will end up doing but in a, in a but here's the here's the law so any state can make a law prohibiting its currency being exchanged for another currency and for this purpose the question of what is another currency is a matter for restrict for the restricting state then 
There is then an archaic but still existing measure, which is at Article 8.2b of the IMF Treaty, which requires the courts of all other IMF members to enforce that restriction. The problem is that a state can only do this with its own currency. Thus, um, SW can prevent... What's SW? Uh... Uh, oh, I see. Right. So a state can then prevent people from exchanging whatever their domestic currency is for CBDC, but not USD for CBDC or somebody else's one. Right. So you can only control your own currency. Um, oh. anyway, the big point is it's the return of exchange controls and you can monitor what? it with fencing. Right. What does that mean? You know how like when you travel on your phone, they know if you're going through a specific zone and right. they can restrict you. So you you basically lose the right once you're in a certain jurisdiction to, it's like how you how you can't upload to RT when you're in the UK, but you can in France or wherever. Um, it would be the same way they control it through the telcos. But that's why owning the telco structure <laughs> infrastructure is so important, because if you own the telco infrastructure, you can kind of undermine those rules in nifty backdoor ways, I presume. But that would, it would be, be interesting cool. if you backs Tesla into X.com as well and just converts all the shares. Well, so yes, that's another thing owner, people are speculating. <clears throat> as a Tesla owner, you actually become like a holder in the conglomerate all of a sudden. That would make that's Tesla shares very valuable. It's, that's super interesting. Huh. It's it's a fascinating the you know and one of the Isabella other recommends you buy Tesla. No, I that don't. That is financial don't advice straight out of her mouth. No, it's not. <laughs> um, the other interesting thing about Elon in that sense is like everyone's always saying, "Oh, you're a China shill. You're like you're not criticizing Xi, and it's because you like sell cars in China and you depend on their market." And that is true. But it's also the case that the Chinese are really paranoid that Tesla cars are sort of domestic spying devices, right? With their own ability to uplink all the information to the Starlink website, uh, you know, network, right? So mm -hmm. on one hand, it's kind of crazy that the Chinese have allowed him to market, not only market Tesla cars in China, but to do so, he's one of the few Western cor corporations in China that isn't majority owned by a Chinese joint venture, right? That is quite exceptional. So how the hell he wangled that is fascinating. And that, like we're having the TikTok debate about how you manage the data and whether it's held in the US or whether China can claw it back or whatever. They're having the same debate about Tesla and they have geo, like they have also kind of ring fenced all the data. So it can't, take the Chinese well, data supposedly out of China yeah. and to America has to stay Isabel, not sure, but some special economic zone. This whole TikTok debate has been very weird in the United States. I don't know if you watched what Congress did, but the bill that they contrived to ban TikTok was this draconian, absolutely insane anti-internet freedom bill. I've never seen anything like it. Did you look at this? A little bit, yeah. I mean, first of all, I just... I just find the whole um, the whole sudden paranoia about um, t 
TikTok fascinating because Ooh, it's not sudden. Sure. What do you mean sudden? I I banned TikTok in my office for being on our <laughs> network three years ago. I actually kicked all but of that's... my employees' phones off of the internet, off off of the local internet for this reason. You're a little bit ahead of the curve, Josh. <laughs> like curve. three years ago, it curve. was peak TikTok. Yeah, three I'm years ago it was peak TikTok here. madness, right? So three years ago, um, at least here in the UK. We had, you know, that was the era of the TikTok NHS dancing videos. Everyone was doing TikToks during uh, the Banned pandemic. It. Out. Done. Personally. No one's allowed you in my house with TikTok. No one's allowed in my house with TikTok. I, I monitor this. I, I do not allow any of that stuff. If you got TikTok on your phone, you're not, uh, you're not on my networks. So... The but reason by the I way, say that's, a, that's the same thing. That's the same thing with with Chinese owned uh, electronics. Like I, I, I do my best to keep those out of the house as well. Okay, so you're just you know just discriminatory against Chinese. Fine, whatever. Like Chinese people. Yeah, I clearly. Well, the, uh, um, yeah, which is a silly thing to say because there are some, and you know, <laughs> you obviously can't generalize. It's a perfectly um, good Chinese people. No, I, I, I. Uh, I think the Chinese people are totally fine. Uh, what I dislike is the Chinese government. And so, I, I do actually I just... mean that because, yeah, you want to clarify, you, you can give your. Uh, your no, statement. no. I right. mean, I want to hear you because I've been talking a lot. But um, on TikTok, I, I wrote a piece in FD Alphaville in August 2020 on TikTok. And the um, the title was Cognitive Hacking as the new disinformation frontier, can apps like TikTok be exploited to pose a new threat in global disinformation and propaganda wars? And this was August 2020. And when I propositioned this article, I was met with complete, like, I think it's plausible, maybe, but nah. Like, there was no... I had to fight quite a lot to get that published. Um, Jack, Jack has it seemed out maybe... there. Maybe it people forgot very Zoom was there. real. Yeah, yeah. Jack Kensick says maybe people forgot Zoom was real Chinese spyware. I knew that, Jack. Uh, I agree with you that it is, and I refuse to get on Zoom calls. I've had a lot of suppliers try to get on Zoom calls, and I make them jump through hoops because I refuse to do it. Um, Bitcoin Magazine tried to get on a Zoom call with me, and I was like, why the hell are you guys using Zoom? It doesn't make any sense to me. There's American alternatives. There's open source alternatives like Jitsi. Um, so I, I don't understand in America why we allow Chinese software on our computers as individuals. You have a very simple option. You don't have to do that. The entire American court system now is using Zoom. That's insane. And I find it interesting because like, think, think about if you're like a, a, a security conscious defendant and you don't want your face on Zoom, you don't want to be on Zoom. Well, you have no choice. The, the court system requires that you use Zoom in order to, uh, you know, attend trial in, in a, you know, uh, a way where you don't have to go into the courtroom. I find that insane. And, and I like I find I, that to insane. me, it's just crazy. Well, to be honest, like, I'm more worried about all the personal kind of or corporate conversations that are highly private that are going through zoom and obviously if there's people a backdoor, do their I mean, people do their private their their literal internal communications in in yeah. giant fortune 500 companies using zoom like what is yeah. like what are we doing here yeah no i agree but what i mean is like 
in 2020, this idea, like, you were ahead of the curve, but the vast majority of people had no sense of any problem with TikTok or with any of these apps. Like, it was completely seen as trustworthy and fine. And any possible, and there were two aspects, because really, this paranoia about TikTok, they never really fully explained the issue. And for a long time, I was trying to really understand, but was it a spying thing or was it a propaganda thing? And... um and I think the propaganda side of it was very, they were very slow to pick up on. And this is this idea that TikTok uses a different algorithm, mm-hmm. that it's trained trained to kind of like essentially um, push very Woke. morally debasing like footage and content that doesn't, like that makes you a bit, you know, apathetic and not very, you know, it's kind of like, Corrupting well, the, our the, youth is the idea. I, I think Isabella was Whereas a lot in, of the stuff. There's there's a chicken and egg question. Did the nihilism of the current generation come from TikTok, or did it exist, and then TikTok uh, allowed it to persist in a lot of ways? But like, well, I think you're correct. I think that TikTok does promote the nihilism. It promotes anything that that China views as undermining to like the United States uh, citizenry, in terms of turning them into. And apparently, like, it's the opposite on the chinese one like their domestic doyen is like full of like very character building content or like academic stuff or students trying to chase each other doing sums you know it's it's all very um you know above board and and very um character building essentially so there is this differentiation the the question is whether the question is whether that's cultural like maybe in america there is no content on tiktok like that right so it like it's just it's just true right like it might be that americans like like if i were designing something like tiktok what i would do in terms of designing the algorithm and no this is not a white power symbol no it's just me being a grecian this is the greek symbol of knowledge i am you know giving you knowledge teaching um i just know as the the okay symbol but i'm not even gonna do it it can cancel you you do you know about this in the united states isabella do you know about this yeah well, I know that's like what they say that is a, a, a like a Ku Klux Klan thing, isn't it? Do, do you know where that started? 4chan. It did. 4chan uh, did a, a, a thing. There was a whole post on 4chan where they were going to, they said, we're going to get the media to call this a, a white power. And they said, W. Yeah, no, I know. I, and then they P. planted it and it was all fun, and then, funny. Cause and like... then it worked. Because <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah. it was real dumb. Um, but Okay, so so if I were designing the if I was designing the algorithm of TikTok, what I would do is I would have it be amplifying all the content that people want to see, right? It would be sort of a self learning algo. Not that I'm an algo right. designer, um, but that that's how I would do it. So it would be reinforcing the content that like kids are watching. So maybe in China the kids just want to see math videos, and in America everyone's like, I want to see trannies. Because that seems to be I mean like there is a, there is a chicken and egg one hundred percent issue, but. At the same time, I do think there is something in it and I try not to use it and I've only ever used it like I was experimenting with it for a little while and it is amazingly addictive. addictive. It is is amazingly addictive, but I've taken it off now. And what I found really interesting is that it picks up on like like my most deepest, darkest kind of neuroses. It's That was really weird. Like how it learned. Yeah. Like, and also my like, 
and also my like really weird fetishes. <laughs> but sure not like my my real my really weird fetish is something that like people either love or hate, and I think most people hate it. But I love it? squeezing spots. Squeezing spots. What's a squeezing spot? Blackheads. Yeah, like you know when you what? put a blackhead. What? But I like doing other people's. That's like what? that's really fucked up. Oh. Yeah, it's sickening. That's disgusting. Sickening. You're sickened. It is disgusting. I don't think there's a, a fetish. community of us weirdos who love it. And so like you went on TikTok and you watched, I don't know, a dog video. No, I, didn't, and like, I didn't I didn't seek out this content. I didn't this even lady like wants pick the, up on this it. This lady wants to see pus coming out of bodies. I didn't pick I didn't put that into TikTok. Did you tell TikTok. it? Did you like it send them an email? Me. Like I want more pus content. No, it just it, but if <laughs> and I just had like video and there's loads of it on TikTok, like Video and video after like like these massive zits and I was like Isabella Isabella's like scrolling through zits and then and then there's one zit and like she just kind of spits on it and TikTok's like wow this is what she wants. I have like an absurd fascination with it, yeah. Um, but that's what I found fascinating about it. Like, how did it figure that out? I I think that the algo does uh literally like it's monitoring what you pause on, and it's watching your attention. For like slight changes, right? But so if you're scrolling, you scrolling, scrolling, like scrolling, scrolling, and I, I think it's, I think it's all screen time. I think if you spend like half a second more on a video, all of a sudden they're like, oh, she wants to see more of this, you know? And and like they'll no, show you a couple to see if it's true. Also picks up on your apparently also it really? picks up on your visuals. Yeah, that's and you're sitting there, they're like say. fascinating. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> and like obviously my this zip face is like the, it's the killer. It's the hit killer hook. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> anyway, but um... <laughs> I, just, I I uh I will say like TikTok is is hard. I've I've gone to the website a couple times. I've never I've never had the app on my phone. Never will. I went to the website a couple times and started scrolling, and like I, I, TikTok seems to know that I like hot chicks. It figured that out right away. Well, that's, yeah, I mean, that's not really, that's not really super, super um, secret. That's my fetish. <laughs> Black hair. Well, oh. oh, it's so gross. Secret. It's so gross. Well, uh, <laughs> now we know Isabella's fetish. Uh, anyone wants to go ahead and send your uh, blackhead videos right over no, to don't. the blind spot. Uh, we, we're setting up an email, theblackhead at theblindspot.com. And uh, it, it's got a... <laughs> Like a three terabyte limit. So go ahead, send it, make him 4K, 5K, 8K if you can. If you want to see him detailed, <laughs> zoom right in there. That, 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 especially the pussy ones. <laughs> Volcanoes. Actually, I don't like the pussy ones as much as the kind of <laughs> so firm ones. Okay, moving on. But yeah, it seems <laughs> like <laughs> you know, someday Isabel's going to go to China. She's going to be going through security. And you're like, oh. They're gonna like start looking at you funny, like oh, it's one of this is this is that this is that lady. Is that weirdo? Yeah, this is that lady. She really likes his customers. <laughs> I only shared this as an example of like how insanely, you know, accurate what? TikTok is in terms of picking up on these things. It's crazy. But if its objective is to find like your weird kind of secret tendencies, then I'm not surprised it ends up kind of creating content and like vicious circles that maybe are a bit 
debaucherous for the for the culture. I don't know if you know <laughs> if you know anything about Elsa Gate. Do you know about Elsa Gate? So YouTube had something similar. Like YouTube was just trying to figure out what people wanted to watch. And eventually, like these, I don't know who the hell was making these videos, but they started uh, figuring out that basically if you wanted to win in the YouTube algorithm, you, first of all, what you wanted to be is you wanted to be a video that would like come after another video, right? So like, you know, parents would put their little kids on the floor, they'd hit play and then they'd walk away. And so people started making these weird videos of like Elsa from Frozen pooping and like getting shots and hanging out with like Hitler and Batman and the Hulk. And like these videos just started and they're real weird. You can still see them on YouTube. And so people just started doing this so that their videos would like end up in these feeds. And I've watched a couple of these. They're indescribably horrific and indescribably not, not turn offable. You watch it and you're like, what's going to happen next? And then they're like, they pull out a syringe and you're like, what? And then they put it in her butt and they give her a shot. You're like, why? There's no plot. But like you, you just, it's like a car wreck. Uh, To be be honest, watching kids on, on these things is quite terrifying. And parents have really kind of, well, some parents more than others. Watching. Like, yeah, but it, like kids YouTube is supposed to be kind of controlled a little bit, um, but they're still addicted to it. And there's just fouls. There's so much content on there that is some of it is good. I mean, some of the some of the kind of citizen children content is really, really fun and very creative. And I think my daughter really loves um, watching other kids kind of dressing up and doing stuff. I mean, it's very it's very Jack addictive. Says, huh? I like Jack today. Jack says kids should be on bit shoot or live leak. <laughs> I don't know I don't if you know, know what, what those are, but those is. are well, no. they're they're like they're the videos that YouTube doesn't do. They're like like the live stream of a shooter or like people getting their heads cut off. <laughs> <laughs> but <laughs> someone did say kid. to me, and I do I do wonder if it's true. Like if you have a kid. Is it better to protect them and stop them from going on like YouTube and being, you know, effectively like wrapping them ra- wrapping them in cotton wool and, and hoping it all goes away? Or is the better strategy getting them like just capitulating to the fact that this is the future, that we're all going to be on the internet and privacy is kind of dead, um, and then at least getting them to be a content producer rather than a content consumer because if you're the producer at least you're the one kind of influencing others rather than the other way around that's a dumb question like honestly like kids kids are kids so like you got to keep them innocent as long as you can and then you uh and and then you know you show them everything in the world and then when they make content it'll be smart content like you can learn video editing later uh you know i i don't unless you want your kid to be like a Fortnite uh e-gamer type guy who's like actually on teams and, you know, playing in like world tournaments. Like I, I, I've, I've always thought that like introducing this stuff is really like not necessary. And I see so many parents do it where they sit at a table and yes, I'm judgmental where they sit at a table and they put like the, the, the uh, iPod there and they like the kid won't eat unless the iPods in front of them. I'm like, nah, screw that. Have you seen see, that? It's easy to is that you? I know, do you no, do that I do it. I'm, I do it. And I'm very upset about it, but I'm judgmental. like I'm judgmental about that. 
No, you're right I'm to be judgmental because right it's awful. But the reality is when you've got a um a really it's fine if you have a passive child, but if you have like a really full-on child that never stops, it is quite it's like oh it's there's this magic thing you give it you to need you have a few you need moments of more, peace. You need to eat more sugar. <laughs> Me. <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, you gotta but, like you get you know have more sugar and do more shrooms, because then you'll be able to no, like imagine with her. No, no, no. It's she'll not, be like it's, she'll be like mom, mom. I'm on a pirate ship, and you'll be like, I literally see it. <laughs> no, I think you are, and I was <laughs> really too. strict, like not giving her anything like that. But then lockdown made it impossible because lockdown that three month period where you had to work. You didn't have any childcare because, like, the schools were shut and nannies weren't allowed to come into your house, but you still had to work. Well, if you had a two or three year old, like I did, like, that's when I buckled and that's when I gave her that was the first time, like, we gave her an iPad. And of course, she got addicted to it at that point. So that's, I feel like, if, if not for lockdown, I would have managed to keep her off it. But now it's just, it's just did doomed. You, does, she, does she play video games? You should have her build a computer. She's a smart kid, you know? I'm I'm sure she would buy I mean, all the components. But yeah, yeah, I'd love this to is, do stuff. I, yeah, but that's what I mean. I think if you're gonna go that way, it's better to have them be the content producer rather than the the consumer. Like at least then there's, you know, I think it's I think that's a fair argument. But anyway, because we're at an hour, so what what else did we? You wanted to talk about there have been some shootings, right? Oh yeah, I don't no, know. The, any, I, I don't know very America, much about since- it. Since the last time we've done this, we've had two big shootings. So we had one in Louisville, which was a bank. Uh, a guy went into a bank and shot up all of his colleagues. And then before that, there was a uh, a school shooting in in Tennessee, which I think is really interesting. Uh, the reason I think okay. it's interesting is because like America's really in the middle of a culture war right now, and uh, has yeah. been for some time. But like I think these the the culture war is interesting. On the one hand. Um, I think there's like the, the first shooting, the Tennessee one hits on like the transgender stuff. There's a lot of that discussion going on in the US and the I don't know. Is, is that the case in the UK as well? Are you guys like trans obsessed? Um, I think so. I mean, I think it's a I think what the US starts like the UK often follows relatively quickly and like it's about two, I, three I feel like years. You guys did this before us, actually. Maybe I don't know. No, I don't think so. I because mean, in in Europe, a lot of these of these gender clinics, yeah, but a lot of these gender clinics yeah, are, are like, shutting down. The, gen- the gender clinics have been shutting down here in the UK as well. We're the, only discovering about- them. We're only discovering them in the in the US, like right now. This is the like we just found like we just found out about this as a culture about the gender clinics. Yeah. Trans okay. and kids and stuff like that. We only just found out about this. We only just found out about like uh, puberty blocking hormones. We are like in the middle of like discovering this stuff right now. I thought it had been a thing for a while, but Mm-mm. maybe I'm wrong. We didn't know. Think, we, we had um, no idea it was happening. It was like this happened. But obviously, the reason quietly. we're talking about it is because one of the shooters was 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 trans, right? Transgender, yeah. So and she that- shot up a school. They won't release the manifesto, and there's a lot of speculation that this person probably had a animus toward like christians in particular and she was a biological woman turned yeah. man right okay and that's well, interesting because usually usually shooters of men hormones a hell or uh, testosterone is a hell of a drug 
yeah so it's kind of yeah so the idea is that um so that's quite a rare situation but well it has been but but isabella we've had uh, other three shootings in the last few months have been transgender uh individuals or like non-binary whatever that means oh really yeah so there was a club shooting in colorado the the tennessee shooting tennessee tennessee how did Uh i never put that that was the tennessee shooting and uh i think there was one before it maybe at another club but Uh all of them were you know gender confused or whatever you want to call it transgender or non-binary whatever it is and and it's it's been really interesting kind of to watch the media reaction to this stuff because the media reaction is so so very how you how do you say it like uh it's mixed like they no well each one's been a little different so the colorado shooting once the person there's actually an amazing debate between Uh uh who's the who's the offensive english guy who isn't really offensive he's academic no no english people are really offensive no not hitchens Hitchens. he's dead no he's dead christopher Hitchens? hitchens Christopher Which Hitchens is dead, but Peter Hitchens is some people say offensive, and he Charles Murray definitely not Charles dead. Murray. Oh, Douglas Murray. Douglas Murray. I knew it was a Murray. <laughs> like, so and Douglas he's, Murray. He's he's gay. I could have told. It's his accent that gives it away. Yeah, yeah, uh, but he's yeah he's he's a kind of right wing commentator. He dresses very well. but he... Yeah, he's very clean. Um, so. <laughs> but he does a he does a debate uh with this with this woman about the color and, and one of the subjects that comes up is a colorado shooter she's she's a new york times journalist and he talks about how the media swept it under the rug and her response is that's because we knew he was lying about his gender and it's just this moment because th- they never explored it so they don't actually know uh the only reason we have any information about his gender is because it was in the court documents filed by his lawyer, uh, what his pronouns were. And, uh, and so the media decided that it was obvious that this person was being sarcastic because it didn't fit their narrative. And even a New York times journalist was willing to like assert this on stage in a debate. And I think she did it because she didn't think about what she was saying. Like it was kind of a quick response. And, uh, she was trying to justify the fact that, and, and what to me was, it was incredible was the admission that, in fact, yes, we did sweep this under the rug, but it was because we found the person to be discredible. And there's no, there's no evidence that the person is discredible at all. And there is no evidence because they refuse to report on it. Uh, I, I have no view on this. I mean, I don't really know. I mean, it seems... It seems... It's so beyond anything that I'm capable of processing that i just well i think culture war stuff is is meant to be like that like i i don't know what the culture war stuff is like in the uk what you guys are going through um you know what we like... are going through i mean i think it's very similar but um i mean we had this tavistock clinic i think that was a big thing um but that was shut down shut it down. yeah but i i think in, in the u.s in order to shut down these clinics people are going state by state and having them pass laws. And so like when the Tennessee yeah. shooter went into the school, there were tons and tons of, of left-leaning people, people on TikTok, other places, saying things like the reason that this happened 
was because they just passed a law banning gender affirming surgeries in the state of Tennessee. Like, so they were blaming this right on that uh, right away and saying that really like it's an attack. Like the, the, the real victim here is the trans person, not the children that the trans person shot. Which is crazy. Yeah, I've never bit, seen that, anything that like is, it. That is bad. Look, the, the, like the whole thing for me is kind of disproportionate to the like actual amount of people who. I mean, it's a small. It's still, even though it's massively like increased, it's still a very small amount of the population, right? So, thirteen um, percent. I believe it's thirteen percent of children in in schools right now are identifying as uh, something other than. Uh, the male female binary 13 percent. so it's it's not small anymore and uh this is from i think i think i think the number of with trans children, it's 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 concerning with children because i don't think um <clears throat> i don't think this sort of confusion is good for kids i mean the number of, the number of children the number of children on puberty blockers in the u.s has gone from like a de minimis number uh basically people that had a precocious precocious puberty all the way to now it's, I think, 15,000 children in the U.S. are, are on puberty blockers. Uh, it's funny, though. I mean, because we do we really do have to wrap up. But um, it is funny because I think even three years ago, hearing that story, people wouldn't have understood that. I think now we're all a bit wiser to how how the kind of peer pressure works. Um, take great. care, everybody. Bye. <laughs> all right, bye.